welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, a podcast that encourages you to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and welcome to another edition of the show. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, you can uh, watch us on video if you didn't know about it. Maybe you watch, maybe you only listen to the audio, and you can find the audio on any podcast platform out there. If you just uh, search TWO Two Steps Ahead Podcast, uh, we pop up on all your favorite podcast platforms. But we also have a video component to the podcast, a video podcast. And you can watch that on YouTube. You can just go to our YouTube channel, TWO Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Also on our Instagram, IGTV. You can watch full episodes there as well. TWO Two Steps Ahead Podcast at the uh, Instagram, IGTV. And so for those of you watching on the video, maybe you've noticed the lights. Had the lights now for a little bit, and so uh, I've got the old lights, which spelled out my first name, and now we've got the TSA lights, which is uh, two steps ahead. That's what TSA is, and so every once in a while, I like to acknowledge the uh, the lights because I think they just add a certain touch to the show. I'm always looking to try to improve. I'm always looking to try to find ways to make this show better, try to find ways to make it more interesting for you. Try to find ways to get you more engaged. And so um, I think the lights add a nice touch. And on the show, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about overcoming uh, complacency and, and what does it take to actually have that drive in us to be successful. And when does success come? How often does it come? What do we have to do to be successful? You know, some things that it might sound like we've talked about these in the past, and, and there are some components to what I'm going to talk about that might be repetitive, but maybe there's some new uh, watchers, new listeners that missed out on shows in the past, and so it might be new to them. But um, recently, Phil Mickelson, the golfer, do you follow golf? Do you play golf? Do you like golf? A lot of people find golf boring. I kind of find it interesting. In fact... My first golf experience, I was in Nebraska, Scottsbluff, Nebraska. And when I worked at the radio station, we had memberships to a golf course, not the country club, golf course. And so what we would do after work, me and the morning show on the rock station, we would go get a couple of golf carts. We'd get a couple of adult beverages, throw them in the cooler, and we'd go golfing. Nobody was on the course. It was midweek. And so we'd have a lot of fun, and we'd just go hit the golf ball. And so then it became something that I enjoy doing. I also like going to the driving range. Sometimes I like to just go to the driving range and hit balls, see how far I can hit them, and kind of give them a whack. And then also you got that, you know, ball picker-upper guy that's driving the John Deere, and you try to hit him. Anyways, Phil Mickelson recently won a PGA championship. Now, he's won three Masters. This is his second PGA championship, and he's also won a uh, British Open, or the Open, as they call it, over there in Britain, the British Open. And so you might be thinking, what's the significance of a guy who's had success? He's won multiple others. You know, those are just the majors that he's won. But what's the significance? I mean, you think of all the good golfers throughout the years, right? Um, Bagger Vance, maybe. And then you see that you had, like, the – you know, senior PGA for a while, and they were able to extend into their golden years. And so Arnold Palmer, for example, was a guy that's been around, successful golfer. Greg Norman, you might think of him. You know, the Golden Bear, another golfer. But what's so significant about Phil Mickelson? Well, he was 50 years old, 
And so by winning the PGA Championship, he becomes the oldest golfer, not gopher, golfer, to win a PGA Championship. And now you think that might not be so significant, but you think about the demands of golfing. I know some of you, you hear the demands of golfing and you, you know, snicker and chuckle and laugh. But if you've ever really gone out on the golf course, it does take stamina, first of all, to be able to walk the golf course, 18 holes. And then depending on, you know, the, the size of the golf course, you could be walking quite a distance and then do that over four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and maybe some have to do it earlier in the week to qualify or to get out there and practice. And so you really have to be physically fit because it is demanding, overcoming the elements. You know, you think down south and uh, in other places like Florida and maybe in Palm Springs where they have these golf tournaments and the heat and having to overcome those. You know, spectators in their shorts with their coolers and they're out there in their, you know, long pants and their polo shirts. That's the polo shirt. And so it takes a, a demand on the, on the person. It takes a toll on the golfer. And so Phil Mickelson at 50 becomes the oldest golfer to win a PGA championship. And it's pretty significant because when you think about it, even though he had won the Masters, won the British Open, it's, it's been a number of years since he's won anything. And so it kind of caught a lot of people off guard. And in the uh, post-tournament interview, they asked him, you know, if you were a betting man, would you, you know, put a bet on yourself to win? And, you know, he obviously didn't admit to not being able to win, but he talked about that, you know, he always felt that he had the ability in him to do it, but there were little parts of his game that he felt just wasn't quite right, especially the mental aspect, and that would cause him from being successful out there. And so it required him to be able to refocus and rechannel that mental energy because he still felt at 50 he had the physical ability, kept in shape, and was able to master that component of the golfing game, the physical demand. But when it came to the mental game, sometimes he felt off and he felt it was difficult for him to always concentrate. You know, Could you imagine trying to have to concentrate on every single shot and have just that exact precision in thought? to see where you're going to place the ball, how hard you're going to hit the ball, and all those decisions that go into, I mean, when I get out there on the golf course, I just square up and launch it and hope for the best. If it goes over there, I'll go fetch. If it goes over there, I go fetch. If it goes in the water, I'll probably kick another few into the water just for fun and then carry on. But it takes a lot of precision, and so his mental game. And so he talked about refocusing his mental game. But then also afterwards they asked him when he puts his head on the pillow that night, what is it that he's going to take from his victory. And this is the thing that I want to focus on and I want you to understand and hear. So this was his answer to that question. When you put your head on the pillow later that night, what are you going to be thinking about? What's going to be on your mind? The biggest thing that I'm going to take away is that there's no reason why at an older age you cannot be at your best. It just takes a little more work. And I believed it for a long time and I I wasn't getting the results but I believed it and I had people believe in me and um, it just takes a little more work so it takes a little more work but he thinks you can be successful at 50 he thinks you can be successful at an older age it might just require you to put more time in put more work in more dedication things we'll get to here in a little bit and so he always felt that he had the potential but he had to kind of tweak some things and so as he talks about it 
he basically says there is no reason why you at an older age can't be at your best. Now, keep in mind, at your best at 50 might not be at your best at 25. Laker fans, especially fans of Showtime in the 80s, remember James Worthy? In his prime, he would post up back to the bucket and he'd do that spin move and then dunk on his defender. And that spin move was, couldn't defend against it. It was so quick. He had that quickness, that speed to just spin and go. And then as he got older in life, that spin move became more defendable. It wasn't as quick. Slowed down. He was still at his best probably in those years, giving it his all, doing the work. But it was noticeable. And that's the first time in life I noticed age can take a toll. Because when you're youth, and when you're youthful and in your youth, you think you're invincible, right? You can do anything. But that was the first time I noticed when he would back up, post up back to the bucket and he'd try to spin. People were able to come and defend him when before it was unstoppable. And you can see any number of people, athletes especially, that as they get older, they diminish in their physical ability. You know, And then you throw injury in there. That might even be more of an issue. But at your best. So the point of it that I took out of that was, At your best, whatever you are right now, you could be at your best. It might take work. You might have to put in more work. Things might have came easier for you at one time, but guess what? Now you have to work harder to achieve the results that you want. Obviously, weight loss is a big thing for a lot of people. Some can lose weight easily. Remember when you were younger and you had a high metabolism? You can eat all the stuff you want. In fact, there was a basketball player, Sean Bradley, he played for the Philadelphia 76ers amongst other teams. And he was like seven foot, six inches, something like that. And he weighed like 50 pounds soaking wet. And they would just shove everything down him to try to get him to gain weight. I think he had an 18 million calorie diet or something. I mean, it was unbelievable. He just couldn't gain weight. And everybody's like, man, that's the metabolism to have. Not if you're an NBA player, you need to gain weight. But, you know, we were able to eat things. No questions asked. Didn't, didn't matter. Weight didn't matter. Then we get older, our metabolism slows down, and we start to get our gut, and we start to find places on our body that has a little extra padding, and it's harder to get rid of. It takes a lot more to get rid of it, right? And so, but we can get there. It just might require us to do more work. It might require us to put in extra time at the gym, maybe walk an extra day, whatever it is. But we can be at our best no matter what age we're at. If you are, let's say, not an athlete and you're in the business world, you can be your best right now. You can be your best teacher. We just went through and coming out of a a pandemic that required teachers to teach online. A lot of people don't like Zoom anymore. A lot of people don't like the online classroom anymore. They're just aching to get back into the real-life classroom. But people overcame that. Some went the extra mile. And they were the best at that moment. They were the best online teacher they could possibly be. Others might have just mailed it in thinking, you know what? This is going to end eventually. And my students aren't really paying attention. They're off watching YouTube and other things. And I can barely keep their attention online. So I'm just going to mail it in too. Well, that's your choice. But you can be. If you're sitting there thinking, I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. No. You can be because Phil Mickelson proved that at the age of 50, and 50, 50 isn't even that old anymore. I mean, think about it. Remember a couple years ago when 
Jennifer Lopez was pole dancing at the Super Bowl halftime show, despite the fact that some people thought that was offensive. One of the, I guess, takeaways from that was that here was Jennifer Lopez at 50 in shape performing at the halftime show when back, what was it, 80s, 90s, when the Golden Girls were on and they were all, you know, in their 50s, so to speak. And they were all in Moomoo's in, you know, Miami, retired, living the old retired life. But now we've got Jennifer Lopez dancing on a pole at 50, good in great shape. You've got Phil Mickelson at 50, winning a PGA championship, becoming the oldest golfer to do so. So we can do more things. And I think the expectation is that we can. You know, you have that saying, what, 40 is the new 30, 50 is the new 40, orange is the new black. And some of us, you know, kind of just dismiss that. But there's some truth to that. It's, it's, it's age is just a number. It's our mindset. It's our mindset that dictates to us whatever it is that we want to do. If we want to have the mind of a 30-year-old, let's say, we might not be able to perform like our 20-year-old selves. But we can go after it with the mindset, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. I'm going to approach my work ethic. I'm going to approach my job. I'm going to approach my relationships with that same vigor that I once had. I'm going to go after it. I don't have to be in a lounge chair watching daytime television at a certain age. I can still be out there doing things. I can be out there having an impact on other people. And I think that's the thing that we can learn from Phil Mickelson at 50 winning a PGA championship. If you want to start something, maybe martial arts, just pulling something out of a hat. Maybe you wanted to be a black belt in martial arts, but you thought, you know, never got around to it. Now I'm a little too old. You can do it. Teaching, you come across a lot of people, especially in the radio broadcasting industry. You come a lot across a lot of people that are second career. They've always been interested in radio and radio broadcasting and maybe doing a show and being an on-air talent, but, you know, life took them down another path. And now they come back and they come to class, and that's what they want to do, and they go after it. And initially you think, or at least they think, because I've been told this, that um, maybe I'm too old for this. No. You're not too old to do anything that you put your mind to. Now, you might have some physical limitations, like you might not be able to bench press what you did when you were in your younger days, but you can still bench press. You can still work out. Your mile might be a little bit slower, but you can still go run the mile if you want to. And maybe, as Phil Mickelson said, you put in a little more work, you can still achieve some results. Maybe changing some of the things that you do and how you approach it. You can get those results. You know, recently, Simone Biles came out with a, she's, in case you don't know who she is, she's a gymnast. And she won four gold Olympics, gold medals at the Olympics. And she's won recently an all-around competition here in 2021. And most of 2020, she said, you know, they really didn't do much because they couldn't because of COVID. But she invented or came up with this new vault routine, I guess you could call it, or move. And it's a double pike. So basically, you run down the runway, and then you vault 
onto the horse and then you flip in the air, right? And she's the first one to come up with a double pike, which I guess is pretty complicated. And again, one of those things that might look easier than what it is. And if you go online and you look at some of the videos, the training videos for her to get there, it's, it's uh, pretty amazing. And she was able to pull it off in this uh, recent competition. And it wasn't her best, but she did win the all-around competition. Not sure exactly what the competition was, but, you know, so again, here's this successful gold medal gymnast, possibly top gymnast in the world right now, maybe we could say. And so she pulled it off in competition the first time, this double pike. And this is what she had to say about that double pike. I was just thinking, do it like training. Don't try to like overdo anything because I have a tendency as soon as I raise my hand to kind of overpower things. And I did a little bit, but at least I still was on my feet. It's a new vault and I'm proud of how today went, even though it was a little bit rough and uncharacteristic, but it was okay. So here you have an Olympic gold medalist four times. She's trying something new, pushing the envelope. So she practices and practices and practices because she wants to get better, because she wants to put something in her routine that's going to be different from everybody else because she still wants that gold. She's not resting on her past and what she's done. So she goes out there in this competition, and as she said, it's a, it's, it was a rough, rough day. It was uncharacteristic of her, but she was proud of what she did because she got out there and she performed it in competition. All that time practicing and practicing and practicing. Practicing falling into a foam pit and then onto a mat on the foam pit, getting that landing down. The body continually pounding, 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 taking a beating as you try to improve and kind of master this double pike move. And then she gets into competition, pulls it off. Come the Olympics, if we have Olympics, might see it. But that's the thing. It's like you, you take these people, these athletes, for example. I like using athletes because they're easy, uh, easy demonstrations to actually see. You can see the improvement. And you take these athletes, and they don't just rely on their past. They're not complacent. They change things. They want to mix it up. They want to get better. They want to improve. Yes, this might have worked for me then, and I was a champion then, but in order for me to continue to be a champion, I need to improve. I need to get better. I need to do things. Or it's their personal drive to be the best person possible. They look at themselves, and they're like, wait a minute. I don't like the way I do this. I think I can do this better. I think if I approach it this way, I think if I change this, I'll be better. I'll become better. You know, Tiger Woods, a couple times throughout his career, changed his swing. He changed his swing after he won the 1997 Masters Golf Tournament. And then he also, I think, later in life changed his putt to get better. And after the 1997 Masters Tournament, he changed his swing because he saw a need for improvement. And this is what he had to say. I saw my swing um, after the tournament was over, and I, I realized how far across the line it was. And I didn't like that look. And I knew that, yeah, yeah, I could have weeks where I play well, but I'm also going to have weeks where I really play poorly. Um, I'm not going to be consistent week in, week out. And that's not a golf swing that is going to be consistent. So he saw a weakness in his swing that had to do with consistency. 
Some weeks he could be great. Other weeks he'd be not so great. So he wanted to change his swing so that he can become consistent, so that he can perform at a consistent level, so that he can pursue that greatness within him. He was raising the standard. He was raising the bar on himself. And a lot of people, when you look at comments, I guess you can say, from back then, people were flabbergasted. He won the Masters by a big, wide margin. And now he's changing things. Best golfer in the world at the time. And he's changing things. Why? To get better. And that's what we can do. We can look at our lives. We can look at the things that we do. I mean, I look at this show, and that's what I try to do. I try to look at it and see how it can improve. What can I do to make it better, more interesting for you? So that if you're vested in time, watching, listening, you enjoy it, get something out of it. But what can I do to make it better? If you're an athlete, if you're a musician, especially if you're a musician, is your music writing getting better? Are your songwriting getting better? The songs you produce, are they changing with the times? A lot of musicians, they say the success to longevity is changing with the times. I mean, think back in the 80s, you had the Sunset Strip and all those hair bands, you know, Poison, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, and then all of a sudden, overnight, it became grunge. Seattle was the destination to be. Go down to the thrift store, buy your clothes, just put some grease in your hair and walk around all depressed. That was the music of the day. Radio stations had to change their formats overnight. In L.A., my favorite radio station disappeared. Next thing you know, there's this other kind of music, something that smells like teen spirits now playing. Jeremy spoke in class today. All of a sudden, the music changed. So people had to change. So we have to work harder as we move along in life, and we could still get those results. Sometimes it might require us to change our swing or to maybe to add a new routine. Do something different to stand out. Maybe as we get back to opening the classrooms, instead of going back to what we did do, maybe teachers, you're going to come up with new ways to approach your students and engage them. Businesses. Maybe, maybe that's something we should think about when it comes to, you know, service oriented businesses like restaurants. Flight attendants, if you've followed the show for any length of time, you know that there's been some experiences on airplanes with flight attendants. Well, coming out of a pandemic, airlines took a hit. Maybe their service should be better. But no, they're sitting in the back. They're lowering the standards. Makes me not want to fly on their airlines anymore. Maybe we should be raising the standard. Maybe we should change the way we approach dealing with customers not taking them for granted. Maybe family, the way we approach family, the way we approach relationships. Maybe make it better. Change the approach. Mix it up. Maybe you're in the best relationship ever, but now you decide to come up with something even more creative. Think outside the box. Make it a better relationship, not just settle for the status quo, for complacency. But get out there and do things. Make it better. You know, one of the things that a lot of people have a hard time with is failure. You hear failure is not an option. Um, I've talked about it before where you're, if you give up, you could just be one fail 
or failure away from success. And failure is only when you stop trying. You can learn a 100 ways not to do something, and people might call it failing, but then eventually you get the one way that works. And so to me, it was always failing was only when you gave up. Try it again, try it again, try it again. And I've often uh, times brought out people to uh, try to give an inspirational message. And recently, you know, with the year anniversary of Kobe Bryant, I've kind of been listening to a lot of things that he had to say, especially when he was away from the basketball court, his work ethic, his mindset, the way he viewed life and things, the way he approached basketball. And one of the things he had to say was, failure doesn't exist. And this is what he had to say. The story continues. So if you fail on Monday, the only way it's a failure on Monday is if you decide to not progress from that. Right? So that so to me, that's why failure is not existent. Because, you know, if I fail today, I, okay, I'm going to learn something from that failure, and I'm going to try again on Tuesday. And I fail, and I'm going to try again on Wednesday. So it doesn't exist. See, and that's the thing. Failure only happens when you stop trying, when you give up. As long as you continue, you're not failing. As long as you go out there. Now, you might change your approach to things. You might try to add something new, maybe like a new routine, a double pike. Maybe you have to put in more effort because now maybe you're a 50-year-old golfer and you put in the extra work and you win a PGA championship. But you have to put in the work to be your best, whatever it is. When you look at life, things aren't going to go your way. There's going to be times when things don't work out. You lose a game. You lose a client. You don't get a job that you applied for. You lose a relationship for whatever reason. But then you just give up. You just go live in a bubble somewhere, call it a day. Or you get back out there, learn from what didn't work and apply it to a new method, a new way, a new standard. Because once we give up and once we fail, once we stop trying, then all the things, imagine all the people, Steve Jobs, for example, he even got kicked out of his company that he started Apple. But think of all the failure that he had through life. And that led him to eventually create Apple and have great success. You think of people like Thomas Edison and inventors like him that failed over and over again before they finally succeeded or their failure in one aspect refocused and became a success someplace else that they weren't even looking for. Or what about musicians banging on the door over and over again of labels trying to get their song, trying to get signed, trying to get someone to hear their music. And then eventually, persistence pays off. They didn't give up. Athletes, you think of maybe baseball. A lot of baseball players spending years in the minor leagues before they get an opportunity in the big leagues. Or people at uh, the collegiate level or the Olympic level that had to put in the time, put in the time. Maybe they had injury and they had to overcome injury. But they never gave up. And sometimes... People can look at failure and misinterpret 
misinterpret something as failure because sometimes the littlest things can be a success. I mean, think about it. A team, a person, an individual taking the field of competition, that alone could be a success, regardless of the outcome of the game, because we don't know what that person went through. We don't know the obstacles they overcame. We don't know the obstacles you overcame. Maybe there's something in life that you had to overcome just to get to the point to be able to participate in whatever it is. Think about education. Maybe your dream was to be a high school history teacher or another form of teacher. And depending on the state you live in here in California, the obstacles and academics are great. I mean, you have to get your four-year degree. Then you have to go and do uh, your teaching certification classes. Then you have to go student teach. And then there's some TPAs in there. There's the CSET, the CBEST, and it goes on and on and on. And it can be like, why? Why am I doing this? And, and the money that you have to put out because maybe you didn't pass a section of a test. You have to go retake it. And you keep trying. You study. You do the study groups. You do the study guides. You go and go and go. But then eventually, you're there. You pass. You got everything done. You get your certificate. You get hired. Now you're a teacher. Now you're influencing others. Now you're being an inspiration, a role model. Because you never gave up. You maybe had to change things around. Study a little differently. Study harder. Study longer. But you never gave up. And so all those tests that you failed, all those assignments that you didn't pass, that you had to redo, it might be failure. People might look at it as failure. But eventually, you got over it, and you got that certificate, and you got that credential, and now you're teaching, and now you're influencing others. I remember back in high school, I took um, algebra, and I wasn't really big on math. Once the... Numbers were replaced by letters. Kind of lost interest. And so in uh, Algebra 1, I think it was, I got a C. Hey, yay, passed. That's all I really cared about. Because some classes, like history, for example, I would put everything into it because I'd want to get the best grade possible because that was an area of interest. And so I wanted to learn. Some sciences, depending on the class, foreign language, not really. But had to take them, right? And so when it came to math, you know, I got a C in algebra, partially because I was distracted by other people in the class and didn't really care and was playing sports and, you know, I can list excuse after excuse after excuse, but I passed. That's all I wanted to do was just get a passing grade. So then my junior year, I take algebra two. I got a C. And someone asked me about it and I said, hey, isn't that improvement? If I got a C in algebra one, and I got the same grade in Algebra 2, and Algebra 2 is supposed to be harder and more difficult than Algebra 1. Isn't that success? So people looked at it as you got a C, which is passing, and so that's acceptable. But when you have a higher burden of academic success placed on you, and then people look at it like, oh, you only got a C. No. To me, it was success because I got a, a grade equal to that when the material was harder, success. That's how I saw it. But again, you got to define for yourself success and failure. You've got to decide, decide for yourself what you're going to allow yourself to believe as success and failure. You know, Michael Jordan, he was never complacent like many successful athletes. And I've got a clip here 
where he describes how many times he actually failed in the game of basketball. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. I never feel that I'm at my best. I feel I still have room to improve. I still set goals for myself to strive for. Uh, I'm never complacent with what I've achieved. Uh, Even though it's been very successful for me, I still feel I have a lot to prove, not just as a player, but as a person, as a father, to some extent, as a role model uh, in all aspects. Um, So I'm never really too complacent with myself or with what I've achieved. When I get to a point where I feel I can't improve as a player, I walk away from the game. I still feel that I have a plateau that you know, I hadn't reached yet in terms of my skills or my, my expectations of myself. You know, I'm always going to expect myself to do you know, certain things or surpass certain things. As long as I believe that, then you know, my road to success is going to continue to expand. Did you hear that? 9,000 missed shots, 300 games lost, 26 game losing shots, but he's a winner. He doesn't view himself as a loser. He has six rings. One of the top, is he still in the top five, at least top 10 in scoring? And a lot of people think he's the greatest of all time. Although other people will, uh, argue that point but again you take a look at what he said there he was never complacent in what he did and what he achieved even though he's a champion he wanted to go and get better the things that made him successful back here he would take and build upon so that in his future he could be a champion even more he always challenged himself try to make himself better you always talk about, you know, on the video games, especially if you play video game sports, you know, you talk about those uh, video game stats, you know, maybe college football. They're putting up, you know, these gaudy numbers and people will call them, you know, video game stats or maybe in a basketball game, you know, someone's putting up video game stats. You know, it's just ridiculous. And I remember when I played the video games for football and stuff, I would always have games where I'd blow other teams out, you know, but you have your kind of goals that you put. Okay, in this game, I want to try to rush for a thousand yards. You know, whatever. And so it didn't matter the outcome of the game. You were trying to achieve these things. And so that's how it is in life with some of these athletes. You think about it, even though they're not putting up, you know, video game numbers, not playing a video game, but they're always trying to do something. I talked with a coach one time at a basketball uh, game, and he told me that the reason why he was so successful, because they weren't so concerned with the scoreboard. They were concerned with other things like shooting 70% from the free throw line, shooting 50% from the floor, field goal shooting, uh, committing less than five turnovers a game, you know, getting maybe 10 plus team assists, little things like that, you know, rebounds, getting so many offensive and defensive rebounds or having the offensive versus defensive rebound ratio being a certain way. And they figured that formula would be successful. 
And those were the things they would work on. So it wasn't about running up and down the, uh, the floor and putting the ball through the hoop, which is the point of the game, right? More times you do that, you get more points. And if you've done it more than the opposition, you win. And so obviously scoring was important, but that wasn't the thing that they focused on. They focused on all these other things. And they would be successful. And then they'd build upon that. Okay, what other areas? So if we out-rebound our team, and if we have less turnovers, then we can be successful. But now what else can we put in there? Maybe make the other team turn the ball over a couple more times a game. You know, you start building on things. You start getting better. You don't want to be complacent. I think about what it was at the 2002 Angels when they won the World Series. And Southern California, Anaheim, all the buzz. But what happened? They signed everybody. So they had the same team coming back. So there's expectations on them to win again. But what happened? Other teams went out and got better. Other teams went out and got players to improve. And so, yes, a championship team coming back as a unit sounds like a good idea. But in hindsight, it turned out to be complacency because other teams went and got better. Angels haven't won since. So they still won, yay for them. But was there some complacency in that? When you go out and get better. You think about some of the uh, great upsets in sports, like in 1983 when North Carolina State defeated Houston. Houston had Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, NBA Hall of Famers. And yet it was a buzzer beater that allowed NC State to shock the world and beat Houston for the national championship. Now, a lot of people would call them the cardiac kids and there would be uh, underdogs and shocking win. But you know what? They were prepared. They were prepared for that moment. They were prepared for that one moment, that one shining moment, and they made the most of it. It wasn't just happenstance. It wasn't just luck. They had put in the time. They put in the work. They put in whatever it was to be successful. They knew they were the underdogs, so they had to put in more work to be their best. And they came out on top. Or remember Rulon Gardner, that wrestler from the 2000 Olympics? He was up against a Russian. And I had to look this up. But he was up against a Russian wrestler who was undefeated for 15 years in international competition. This Russian wrestler won three consecutive gold medals, seven consecutive world titles, And he had not given up a single point in international competition for 10 years. And then you look at Roland Gardner, and he hadn't even won an NCAA championship. And he was the hugest of underdogs, and he won. He got to the Olympic gold medal match, and he defeated a guy that hadn't been defeated in 15 years, hadn't given up a single point. If you know wrestling, you can, you know, get points here and there by takedowns and, you know, all these things. So sometimes it can be easy to get a point. Sometimes you just trip your opponent. Ooh, accidentally he fell over. Oh, you got a point. Yay. But it wasn't Rulon Gardner just happenstance that got there. Even though he hadn't won a NCAA championship, he put in the work. He believed in himself. He had heart. And he won. What about when Buster Douglas upset Mike Tyson in 1990? No one thought that was going to happen. Or the miracle on ice when Team USA upset the USSR in hockey, the semifinal game. They went on to beat Sweden, I think, for the finals and win the gold medal. 
No one thought that was going to happen. But hey, guess what? It did. And so what do all these things have? It's a work ethic. It's a work ethic that you are not going to outwork me. You might be smarter. Your family might come from privilege. Your daddy might own a company, but you will not outwork me. This top spot is number one. That's mine. Because not one of you can outwill me. You may have been born with more genetic prowess than I have, but you cannot outdetermine me. You can't outwill me. You can't outwant me. You can't outwork me. You can't outdesire me. The bigger your dream is, the harder to grind. Some of you in this room, you might have small beginnings. You might not have a lot of money. You might not have a lot of resources, but there's no excuse. And I need you to understand that the bigger your dream is, the earlier you're going to have to get up. The longer you're going to have to stay up. The more effort you're going to have to put in. You know how hard I work to get here? I put in too many hours. I sweat too much blood, too much tears. I worked hard to get here. Didn't nobody give me this. I didn't grow up with wealth. Didn't nobody pay me. I worked for this. Sweat, blood, tears. I earned every dime I get. I worked for this. You will not outwork me because your height has nothing to do with my work ethic. Your face has nothing to do with my work ethic. Your two-pair background has nothing to do with my work ethic. You will not outwork me. You will not outwork me. The bigger the dream, the harder the drive. The bigger the dream, the more effort it's going to take. So what does it require? What's the effort? Is there a formula? Not really. But here might be some keys to success that might help you. First off, you have to have a commitment. You need to stay loyal to whatever it is that you are wanting to do or achieve. Got to stay loyal to it. Can't give up. Can't let it go. I've seen a lot of people, especially in the radio business, they've had the desire, so they thought, so they said. They had the dreams, I believe that. But they did not have the commitment. My first year in radio, I worked every single holiday. I think I had New Year's Day off, but I had to work New Year's Eve. But I took New Year's Day off because I wanted to watch college football and bowl games. So it worked out for me. But it was a sacrifice. But my dream my goals, I had the eye on the prize, and I stayed committed to that. I remember one student was telling me over and over and over again, trying to convince me they were dedicated, they were dedicated, they were committed, they were committed. It turned out they really weren't. Gave it up. And that's fine. That's, that's their choice. But commitment is something that a lot of people overlook. You've got to stay loyal to whatever it is that you're wanting to do, whatever you're wanting to achieve, and not give up. And that process, depending on what it is, if you want to own a business, could take a lot longer than writing a paper, doing a podcast, a painting could require a lot of time and effort, but staying committed to it. You have to have the discipline, giving up those things in life that derail your opportunities for success, derail you from putting in the work. You talked about, you're not going to outwork me. You're not going to outdrive me. You're not going to outperform me. It takes discipline to stick with that commitment. If you don't have the discipline, you lose your commitment. And that's a formula I've seen over and over again. People lose the discipline. Students, they would do a weekly show on the campus radio station. All excited, begin the semester. Then they'd miss a week. 
whatever reason. I can't make it this week. Then I can't make it this week. I can't make it that week. And then they disappear and they're only did a couple shows. And then they wonder why they're not improving, having the success that they thought they would. Maybe they start losing interest because it's not working out the way they thought it would be. But they lost that discipline to be there week in and week out, regardless of whatever it is they were doing, to stay committed to their show, to stay committed to their dream. Some might say maybe that truly wasn't their dream. That could be. But I know some people that really wanted it but didn't have the discipline. In sports, how many people are good enough not to make it? Or they succumb to some of the tangibles out there, homesickness because you go away. Not knocking it, but those are the realities. What about consistency? So you have commitment, staying loyal. You have the discipline, giving up those things that are going to derail you. You have consistency to do it on a regular basis. Whatever it is that you have to do to take your passion and make it happen and to let yourself be great, you're going to do it on a consistent basis. Week in, week out, day in, day out. Two, three, four times a day. If you listen to Kobe Bryant, he'd go out there and practice two, three, four, five times a day. Now, granted, he had the ability to, but what are you doing? It's too early. I don't want to get out of bed. It's too cold. I don't want to go outside. So my discipline gets in the way of my commitment. But then all I'm only going to do it a couple times a week instead of every day, every day, every day. Having the faith, believing in yourself, that's the biggest thing. People will sit there and they will doubt themselves. Doubt will crush dreams. Believe in yourself. Believe in the process that you're doing, despite all the negatives that might come your way. Now, sometimes it might be prudent to listen to constructive criticism, but the negativity, got to avoid it. It's easy to have faith when things are going good, but when you need to have faith and believe is when things are going bad. You got to trust your process. Trust your process. Know that what you're doing right now is the right way to do it. I'm losing weight, and this is the way I'm doing it. I'm lifting weights to get bigger. This is the way I'm doing it. I'm going to get a Division One scholarship. This is the way I'm going to do it. I'm putting in the work. I'm trusting the process. I'm believing in myself. I'm doing it on a regular basis. I'm being disciplined. I'm getting away with doing away with all the stuff that might derail my opportunity. I'm staying committed. And then you have to have heart. You have to have the, the strength within yourself that when the rest of your body or the influences are telling you that you have nothing left, you still believe and you still give more. And if you follow those five things, I think that you'll have a great chance at success. Be committed. Stay loyal to whatever it is that you're wanting to do or achieve. Be disciplined. Giving up those things in life that will derail your opportunities for success. Derail you from putting in the work. Make you lose your commitment. Staying consistent, being committed and disciplined on a regular basis, doing whatever it is that you are doing to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. Have the faith to believe in yourself and believe in the process despite all the negative that might come your way. It's easy to have faith when things are going good, but you need to have that faith and believe even when things aren't looking so positive. Trust your process. And then have heart. Find the strength in yourself. When the rest of your body or influences are telling you that you have nothing left, you give more, you dig down, you have heart. And I think those are some keys to success. But what about people that are dreaming the same dream as you? Shocking. There might be people out there dreaming the same dream as you. Well, what do we do in those cases? 
I want you to know when you dream your dream that there are other people who are dreaming the exact same dream. When you said to yourself, this is what I want to accomplish, you're not the only person that wants to accomplish it. And now I ask you this question, what do you do when a thousand other people want exactly what you want? What do you do when you're not the only one that wants to make a million dollars in your company? You're not the only one that wants to be a CEO. What if you're not the only one that wants what you want? What if there are thousands of other people who want what you want? You have to outwork them. You gotta outgrind them. You gotta get up earlier. You gotta stay up later. You gotta execute and you gotta go from 70 to 120. You gotta outwork them outperform them do whatever you have to to get above outgrind them outperform them you got to do more you got to do better you got to be your best you got to have the keys to success this whole show has really been about work your work ethic when it comes down to it what's your work ethic like you take a look at work ethic and someone's worth that um You take a look at work ethic and somebody's work ethic and you can find out a lot about a person and their success and how they are in life just based on their work ethic. Are they putting in the work? How's that work going? Are they half-assing it or are they giving it them all? We've heard uh, Martin Luther King Jr. talk about being the best street sweeper possible. Whatever it is, be the best at it that you can be. Because in the end, It's the effort that you put in. It's the effort that you strive to get the best out of you with. It's taking that greatness within you and bringing it out. It's raising the stand. You take a look at Phil Mickelson at 50, winning the PGA Championship. Simone Biles winning the gold medal, but then putting in the double pike. Tiger Woods winning the Masters but then changing his swing because he saw something in it that he didn't like and he wanted to improve himself. Kobe Bryant, failure doesn't exist because I'm not going to give up. Only when I give up does failure exist. Michael Jordan, not going to be complacent. He's going to achieve. He's going to be successful. He's going to challenge himself. He's going to drive to be a better person and that drive will lead him to greater success. You will not be outworked by other people. You cannot be outed anything, outperformed, outworked, outdriven, outcommitted, outpassionate. You're not going to let anybody top you. And when others dream the same dream as you, that's competition. You're going for a job, and there's probably others there too that are going for that same job, that same career, that same goal, whatever it is. What are you going to do to outperform them? Some people look at competition and be like, well, I'm giving up. Others accept the challenge because they have a lion's mentality. If the lion is the king of the jungle, how can he be the king of the jungle? If he's not the biggest, the elephant is probably one of the biggest. He can't be the fastest because that's a cheetah. He can't be the smartest. So he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest. So how does a lion become the king of the jungle? His mentality. That's the only difference of a lion and an elephant. When a lion walks up and sees an elephant, he thinks lunch. An elephant thinks run. 
And it's all mentality. Because when a male lion walks up, he may be outnumbered by a pack of hyenas. But I'm king of my jungle because of my mentality. What happens when you're a gazelle and you're not being pushed? You're not being prodded. You're not giving it a reward. Nobody's encouraging you. What happens when you're a gazelle and the lion's not chasing you anymore? You stop running. But what happens when you're a lion? When you're a lion, it does not make a difference. You realize that if your family is going to eat, that if that pack of lions is to survive, then you gotta go hunt. A part of being a beast just ain't eating a gazelle. A part of being a beast is the hunts. It's the hunt that they're excited about. They like to see the gazelles run. Then boom, they take off. Because real lions like to hunt. They love the process just as much as they love the prize. And some of y'all just want to score. You don't like the process. You're not in love with the process. A true hunter's goal is not the prize. A true hunter's goal is to hunt. That's what they live for. They live to hunt. They don't just live to catch it. It's the whole process. When you are a true hunter, you don't go by time. You go by the gazelle. When you are a true hunter, you hunt until you get a gazelle, and you don't stop until you get one. And then you get another, and then you get another, and you get another. Are you the king of your jungle? Do you have a lion's mentality, a championship mentality? Are you one for the hunt? Or are you only there for the result? Because the hunt gets you the result. And that's your work ethic. The hunt is your work ethic. And what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. It's going to be the gazelle over and over and over again. The gazelle, stop being pushed, gives up, stops running. The lion, attack, attack, attack. Because they know they've got that mentality, king of their jungle. So what are you going to do? You're going to be the king of your jungle? Are you going to be committed, have discipline, consistency, faith, and heart to achieve your goals, to take your passion and make it happen and let yourself be great? Or are you going to give up, be complacent, just rely on your laurels, rely on mediocrity, and be where you are and complain about it? Or are you going to take that greatness within you and bring it out, raise the standard, rise above, and achieve and be the very best you that you can possibly be? Because I believe that there's greatness in you, just like we've talked about on the show several times. And that no matter what, where you are, there's no reason that you can't be the best you right now, like Phil Mickelson said. You can be the best you right now. All you have to do is put a a plan. Put your plan into place, your hunt into place, and go after it. Because then you can be the king of your jungle. You can have that championship mentality. You can realize failure doesn't exist. You can rise above, and you can have all the success in the world, whatever that might be. But it's going to be up to you and you alone with maybe some help from others because lions do have pride. They've got a pride. Have pride in yourself. Get those people around you to support you, but you go after it because only you can control whatever it is that you're going to do. So take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. Thanks for being with us. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Now, you can find us on Instagram. There's the show page, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. And then there's my personal page, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, Edom Rocks. So either or both pages. The show page is primarily show stuff. My page is some show stuff and some personal stuff. So if you want to get me, uh, get to know me more, 
a little bit more in depth, you can check out my Instagram page. There's a link in each of the pages bio. It's a link tree link. If you click it, several options come up options for you to listen to the show online on demand, like Spotify, Pandora, Apple podcasts, and more. There's also our YouTube. So you can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and never miss a show. You get notified. Also our SoundCloud. SoundCloud is an audio-based platform that allows you to download and take the show with you. You can subscribe and, again, be notified and never miss a show. And then also there's a, a merchandise or swag shop. You can click on that. It takes you to our merchandise store where you can find all kinds of cool things from, like, shirts like the polo I'm wearing if you're watching the video, hats. We've got um, T-shirts, all kinds of things, drinkware. So check it out, and that would be greatly appreciated. And uh, you can join us on Radio Warp. Uh, radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. We're on uh, there Mondays and Wednesdays, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific time. And also right now, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Pacific time, we're on uh, Radio Warp Live. And so you can uh, join us there. But uh, there's a link to Radio Warp in the bios as well. So once again, we'd like to uh, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please do tell a friend. Spread the word. That would be greatly appreciated. And follow us on uh, Instagram, like I said, at TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast. We're on my personal page, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. Don't forget, take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being with us.